we are back. Yes, we um, our guests dive in deep and they cover a lot of stuff. Plus, we get a background on the Fair Street books and it co- it'll explain a lot of what's going on. It's very great content. Yeah. So please enjoy. As someone who is a person of color, I'm Latino. I kind of got this impression with the story they were telling. We're, we're is all this, PLCs on this. Yeah, episode. we're yeah we're all yeah we're all <laughs> we all. When you think about it, and I think that's interesting too. Like I feel like we have our own perspective on the story too. But I feel like when you think about it, when you think of all the evil and shady side, it all started because some white man, you know, know. thought he was in, he thought exactly. he was entitled to something. Yeah, and, exactly. And then he and, lied. And then he lied on a woman. Yeah, to like, yeah. you know, it was her fault. I'm going to oppress this lesbian. And <laughs> suddenly, like, they're, you know, they're thriving. His people are thriving. And kind of me wondered if it was that kind of idea of, like, you think about how, like, I've had conversations like this with coworkers and stuff that, you know, you do meet white people who will be, will straight up be like, I hate racism. You know, I, you know, I love my black friends and I love my Mexican friends. I would have voted for Obama a third time. Yeah, I would have voted him. And then you bring up like, well, you know, this, you know, law or this institution is based on, you know, has a racist foundation. So let's address the issues and, you know, deconstruct it and tear it down and create something better. And they're like, oh, no, Black Lives Matter? What? You know, and they start freaking um, out. And all part- lives and- matter? All how lives could, how matter. How just Black Lives Matter? Yeah. So, you know. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, part of me wonders if it's that, like, outwardly they're not racist, but they acknowledge that they have special privileges. Right. And the thought of tearing down those, like, racist institutions scares them because it's like, oh, I don't have privilege now. Now we're on equal, like, legit equal footing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what it is with what's scary about some of those people is like, they're not going to, you know, do something extremely racist, but at the same time, they're going to uphold those institutions because mm-hmm. they benefit from them. And mm-hmm. I kind of see Nick as that kind of person where yeah. he's not this like mustache twirling evil guy, but he knows what he's doing is wrong. We kind of, even if we just say like, okay, we saw a human side of him in 78. Maybe we're not looking at, you know, Ziggy's point of view. Like we saw him struggle with this destiny of his where he even makes that comment, like too many people have died because of me. And it's like, you look back at it, you go, oh, because of, yeah, he, he's the one who picked, you know, um, the killer and stuff. But it's like the same thing where you're like, he knows what he's doing is wrong. And yet he doesn't stop mm-hmm. doing it. He just keeps doing it. And that's kind of scarier than just like a standard villain. Exactly. Because he's not necessarily evil. He knows what he's doing is bad. And he does have some kind of remorse, but he still does it because he knows in the end, he's going to benefit from right. it. And that's kind of scarier. Yeah. So for me personally, I felt like each one was better than the last one with the first one being the weakest. Um, with the opening with uh, Maya Hawk in the bookstore, and I'm like, oh man, this is good. Okay, she's the star of this movie. And then like as the killer was getting closer and closer to kill her, I was like, wait, are they about to pull a screen? Is she Drew Barrymore? <laughs> like, what are we yeah. doing here? And I'm like, a direct reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like, like from there, I was like, okay, well, let's go movie. Like, I feel like we're going to be in for a fun ride. And overall, I did like the first part. Like, 
I agree. Dana's toxic. Um, I don't, maybe it was me, but I felt uncomfortable with the relationship between Josh and Kate, the brother and the, and the best friend. Cause it, yeah. felt, it felt like there was like a, a, a weird age gap, but I just looked it up and she's one year older than him. Like she's 21 and he's 20, but I didn't know that until just this moment, but that just felt weird. It's, I think, I feel like it's kind of the way they presented him. Cause he definitely came off as much younger than yes. Dina and her friends. Yes. So there was kind of that element. It's like when you were a kid and you're like, you see a movie and it's like, yeah, the young guy got the older girl. But then you get older, you're like, no, this is really creepy. Like, exactly. there's definitely, uh, even blank. if it's not a, yeah, it's not a big age gap, but it's still a maturity gap, and it's weird. Exactly. Like, um, <laughs> have you? Has anybody seen Blank Check? Disney's Blank. Yes. Check? Yes. Like, like the little twelve year old boy making out with that that thirty something year old woman. I'm like, and you're a a, a law enforcement officer, man. <laughs> Like, uh, even as an actor i'm like i want to collect a check but i don't want to collect a check that bad like, right <laughs> no um and then like i felt i also felt like the plan to kill sam was really stupid we're gonna take these <laughs> specific pills to kill her and then we're gonna bring her back to life with an epi uh, epi pen yeah. like what <laughs> and then when they and then when they actually when they drown her they stick her with five epi pens and then do chest compressions like it, is that why did when we just do the chest compressions <laughs> like it just I, we were doing unnecessary steps yeah, yeah and i feel like part of it is that like part of me wants to go it's that preteen horror logic where people do dumb stuff and it magically works yeah. but at the same time i'm like man those chest compressions have done a lot in this series like i got stabbed 30 times and it's like boom 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 back I'm to life like, 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 like a video on. game <laughs> oh i think he was also referring to nick resuscitating ziggy mm -hmm. like a lot of people wondered about that and then you know how did how did she get up when she had like 20 stab wounds yes <laughs> that's what yeah. i thought like he stabbed her all that time and also he just calls and give her cpr and i'm like that's not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> like, I felt like that was the biggest problem of these three movies where people were getting stabbed in the stomach and lived. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the first movie ends with Dana getting stabbed in the stomach by Sam. And she's like, all right, well, I got time to go over to uh, Ziggy's house now and sit down on the floor and listen to a story. And now I got time to run around the mall. I'm like, you were stabbed. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, why, why aren't you there? It, it's I like know. that horror movie logic but to 120 percent because like sometimes people get like stabbed 30 times and then they're back for the sequel but you're like okay it's been a year these kids were being stabbed 30 times and 10 minutes later like let's go get some sonic let's go get food it's like no let's go bleed for a while in the hospital come on but I think the one with Nick and Ziggy kind of made sense when you find out that it's Nick behind everything. Maybe he asked the devil or something to yeah, that's fair. scare her or something. Like I want the girl, so yeah. I, I just I just like I just made a sacrifice. A lot of kids died. Give me the girl. Come on, this is yeah. the least you can do. I want yeah, the girl, but I'm never gonna talk to her after today. But I'm never because yeah, I'm gonna betray her and not support her and be like, nope, it wasn't a witch. It was just some crazy guy. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then in the second movie, you know, we had like a um Friday the 13th vibe. So I was feeling that. I don't like that they were like 
oh, we're going to have a twist. C. Berman, that's that's obviously Cindy, right? But yeah. then you cast the little girl from Stranger Things in the movie. And I'm like, well, obviously, that's that's Britta from Community in 1994. Like, why would yeah. you do that? Yeah. It's like, I feel like they wanted to make a twist, but they didn't really. And also, like, the whole... And once again, I feel like it's that cheesy teen logic where it's like, C. Berman, who can it be? <laughs> right. Like, Ziggy. We're going to figure it out. Like, somebody would actually name their child Ziggy? What? Yeah. No. Like, maybe oh, in the 90s. Davis you know? reference. Yeah. A... Like, yeah. Like, if it was a 10 years later, I might buy it. Like, oh, they were, you know, fans of the music. So they named yeah. their child after it, but not. She, not like, in 1978 <laughs> yeah not in 78 like obviously it was a nickname so once you realize it was a nickname you're like well she's got red hair she kind of looks like her it has to be her oh surprise <laughs> it is yeah I, I wasn't here for that twist and then I like the third part um I do like the 1666 parts but like I said they wasted though bringing back those actors um also, I feel like it was a waste to cast a different actress to be Sarah Fear when in the third part, you just have Dina play her. So mm. they could have just, you know, just had her like maybe some different makeup on and she could have just yeah. been the character the whole movie, you know, the whole Yeah, series. we could we could have, you know, going off um, what I mentioned earlier about the idea of like the echoes throughout mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. like we could have easily bought that Sarah was you know, Dina was just an ancestor, a descendant of Sarah's, and it's just like the family line continued. Like, I would have bought it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the only reason they didn't do it is because I feel, I don't know, like, I feel like maybe they would have thought, like, it would have been giving away too much too soon. And then we would have been like, okay, Sarah is going to be a good guy because we know Dina is supposed to be Makes our sense. hero. And then, you know, we know Sarah is going to turn out to be good. I mean, but they could have yeah. hit her face like in the brief appearances that she had in the other two movies, though. Yeah, like it could have been like, yeah, fuzzy. So we see her features, but we don't know who it is. And then finally we get the reveal. And it's right. like, oh, oh, it's the same. So then we would have, you know, it would have been the same thing. Like we're rooting for them all along. But yeah, I feel like same thing because it was like the girl who played, I guess, real Sarah. Um yeah, we only saw glimpses of her in mm-hmm. like flashes, and yeah. um, I would have maybe used the same actress. Yeah, saved um, a little bit of money. Save money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, save you know, couple, couple thousand. You know, maybe a million. You know, save some money, and it would have been an artistic choice too. Like yeah. they could have justified it in the end too. But no, like uh, I like part three the best. I I like the sixteen sixty six parts. It reminded me a lot of The Witch, mm-hmm. but when we got to the end and they said uh fear street 1994 part two i got up out my chair and i was like let's go like yeah (laughs) it's time we gotta finish this yes let's go like i love the idea of when they were in the mall and they were like okay so if good summon these these spirits what if we put pain in him and they kill him or when they or when they put the uh the the blood on the other um you know uh maniac guys i was like and they're killing each other i was like this is what i've this is what i came here for let yeah. yes like finally they got smart they were like this right. is what we need to do let's do it yeah. you should have done that the first time yeah they should have the first movie <laughs> <laughs> but like so yeah so overall i really like the series like i liked each one more than the next one um i 
I feel like in their attempts to give the brother Josh something to do, like, yeah, okay, he had a love interest and then they killed her. And then they were like, oh yeah, he's into chat rooms, but we don't really do anything with that. Really? Yeah. Like that had no relevance. And it's like, oh yeah, this random girl. It's like, hey, here's my handle. It's 1994. Like we, we're not putting at Slayer Girl. Yeah, yeah we're not doing that. Like, and then you know we do we do briefly see her in the last movie and i'm like but that didn't go anywhere like right. is she the one who stole the book is she like oh, yeah like that's Miss another Psycho? thing i like it's very clear that it's a white man that took the book so i'm assuming that is is it's the brother but i mm-hmm. wish that whoever would have taken the book had gloves on so that you couldn't see like is this a man is just, this a woman yeah yeah, because I, I feel like if they do more movies, it's not going to be a continuation. Like, they've done their story already, and they're going to move on. Yeah. But I kind of, I like that, too. Like, I love that kind of open ending, because, you know, scary movies and books are notorious for that. Like, dun, dun, dun. You're not going to get a sequel, but, ooh, evil's still out there. But I would have liked it, too, if they would have worn gloves, because then you really could have speculated forever who it mm-hmm. was. Unless they were going for that, you know, the white man continues to evil, or, you know, whatever <laughs> they <laughs> You know, that's what they were trying to do. That was intentional. You know, they're trying to, you know, yeah. make sure we open up our third eye. Yeah, they're like, ooh, <laughs> now you know. Yeah. Watch out. <laughs> as, <laughs> as somebody pointed out on Twitter, maybe it was the straight white people, the evil straight white people we met <laughs> along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't we all the evil straight white people at the end of the day? <laughs> all right, Matt, um, I got your, um, I'm, I'm sticking it down here. Um, please get on your soapbox and let's go, man. <laughs> I don't really have to now. I mean, y'all pretty much covered pretty much everything I was going to say. Uh, y'all said it a lot better than how I was going to say it. No, I so, 100% agree. Like, Melissa and Michael broke that shit down. So, right. That's why I was like, I was just listening. I'm like, I was going to say that. That's a lot better how I was going to say it. So, that's why I kept my mouth shut. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really one quick to say something racist, but like, I was like, God damn, Michael, I didn't even think of that shit. <laughs> It's I like, I didn't want to go there, but I went there. <laughs> I guess the only questions, like, that's still on top of my head is, what was the purpose of all the alarm clocks? That's what I, everyone's asking. Yeah, because, like, I was wondering, like, you know, I, I, it gave, I definitely, like, watching it, it gave me the idea, like, obviously she's messed up since 78, mm-hmm. but why, like, why all the clocks? Like, is it, like, part of me wondered if, you know, we saw what happened with, um, Dina when she went back in time or you know she had the flashback and was in Sarah's body if maybe you know did Ziggy have a moment like that and now time's messed up for her where she has to like this is the real world but it never was it was never explained or like expanded on so I was like is it just to give us the idea like obviously she's crazy because she has all these (laughs) clocks and we're supposed to think that she's crazy but then you know, we, we find out her backstory and everything else. And you're like, okay, so I understand like she's upset about her sister and all the stuff she went through, but why the clocks? Like why, right. you know. I understood oh. like the locks and how she did everything, but I was mm-hmm. like, the clock part was just like, I was waiting for them to, you know, come back and explain what it was, but it just never came. They never so, did, yeah. I'm thinking maybe it's a, a situation of control. Like in 78, she was put in a situation where she had absolutely no control over it. She lost her sister. So many people died. And now she has these clocks to remind her, like, this has to happen at this time. This has to happen at this time. I will control the narrative yeah. of my life from now on. Mm-hmm. So that's one way you could possibly look at it. Yeah. 
that's yeah that's probably yeah going off the idea of like the control and stuff that's probably a good that's probably i mean that's i would think maybe that is what it is like she's you know this is the first time she's in control but she has a routine and it has to stick to that routine so that she maintains that control and if it doesn't she can't maintain it i mean we saw when the dog started barking and it kind of threw her off and it's Mm -hmm. like oh it's not time yet you know kind of thing (laughs) and maybe that's what it is yeah she just needs that crazy control and she could be suffering from PSTD. Mm-hmm. Post, yeah, so that's probably how she tried to keep her routine and her, her daily to-do list, you know. Because she hardly went out anyway and hardly interacted with other people. And then I guess the next thing is, okay, so in order for them to, he has to write, give them a name and then that person kills people. So I was thinking if he was good and, you know, this is the way it has to be, he could have did like a controlled environment type of thing. He's a sheriff. So won't you just say the name, get that person a location, put a bad guy in there or something like that to control the environment to where the killer is not killing all these random people. Mm-hmm. And is there a, was there a, um, the killer has to kill X amount of people? No, or? it's just until the killer is stopped. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's, that's, why, that's why like he came and killed him in the mall because he's like, okay, you killed enough people. Now <clears throat> let me stop this. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he could have done just done that more to where all right, he has to kill at least one person to give the blood to the devil. So just, hey, let me do this person and then kill him instead of all the... So I guess, I don't know if it's me being old, me being... 2021 but it was like first killing okay fine it's 1966 the kids i was like you killed the kids Twelve and I, was like, I was like <laughs> i was like why are you killing the kids but i'm like they probably done this in thousands of movies but i don't know for some reason with the, that part i was like ah oh, you dirty son of a bitch you did that to the kids <laughs> oh, probably the 13th didn't touch the kids like only the counselors died mm-hmm. See, and I guess like that. So I was like, for some reason, when I was watching that, that like made me angrier that it was kids versus, I guess, it's okay to kill regular people. Just don't do kids. Yeah. And when they do like in a, in a slasher movie, when it is like a teenager or a young kid, it's always like a 20 year old playing them. Yeah. And, and with this one, it was like, no, that kid is 14 and they just right. like butchered him. Like this yeah. is so wrong. And it's I like it in inter- um, the second one, yeah, the camp one, they had the, the fat nerdy kid with the glasses oh. and they killed him. I was like, what? <laughs> I just was sad. <laughs> and and it's, funny. <laughs> it's funny too, because I saw an interview with the director and she was talking about how technically uh, 78 was the last one they filmed. It was the yeah. last movie they actually mm-hmm. filmed. And she was talking about how by that point she was just so tired that she was just like, more blood, more gore. I just want more. And I'm like, yeah, you got more in that one. All yeah. those more That's kids. why. <laughs> so I was thinking maybe the spell is more powerful the more people are killed. So like whatever you're trying to get, like if you're like, oh yeah, I want wealth. Well, your wealth will get, you will get more wealth mm-hmm. the more people that are like slain. Okay. So maybe that's why it's not in a controlled environment. Cause like to set that loose in a summer camp. Yeah. Like, that's you, just you, wrong. You're getting a lot <laughs> yeah. of bodies from that. And I guess the only negative thing about the whole process is the whole uh, starting from the 
end and big inning goes to the middle where you already know the ending. It's kind of like when we reviewed um, Black Widow where, you know, all of this stuff happens, but you already know the outcome. So that kind of like takes you yeah. out of it to where same thing with this one where you know the ending, you like, you know, she's going to be hung and everything else like that. So that was kind of, I don't know the right word for it, but besides that, I enjoy it. Anticlimactic. Right, 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 right. Mm. So you're just trying to get lead up to that point versus I don't know what's going to happen at the end type of thing. So would you have rather them gone in order but omitted some stuff? Yes, because then um, I have to rethink about it, but the way they did it was okay. But I think I, I would have rather if they would have omitted some stuff and like brought it out to where you would never have known. I mean, toward, I mean, part two, we didn't know what was going on from there. But leading up to the uh, the first one and the second one, or and I guess I guess you didn't even know. So I guess from just from the camp one seventy six, you knew the outcome. What, what the outcome was going to be? You uh, just didn't know the details, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But like just watching the the. 1666 one episode that was the one where it's kind of like it's the means to an end i just got to see how they get from this place to this place where the other ones i mean the other episodes of movies you're right we didn't know what was going on but i guess specifically that one it was kind of like all right let me just get to this to get to the end yeah yeah it could have been interesting had they like even if they did it the order they did if they would have done something where they told us one thing happened to sarah and it, you know, it wasn't like she got hung or something, but she, you know, did all this evil things or, you know, she did this. And then we find out that's not what happened. Would have been they, interesting. But they did kind of do that, though. In yeah, the they did. Two, in the first two movies, they laid it out like, oh, she was evil. She was she the bad one, this yeah. town. Right. And then in the flashback, you saw like, oh, no, none of that was the thing. Mm-hmm. And technically, it kind of was. I mean, she was just mad. She was on some, are y'all going to kill me? I'm going to say this other stuff. Also, save my girlfriend. <laughs> But also, I feel like partially, it was probably partially like a commentary on horror itself. Like you have one solid movie and then like they're like, we're not going to go forward. We're going to go back and like a prequel as in here's here's something that happened like on another time that these killers are out. And then eventually they were like, well, what if we go back to the beginning, like Exorcist beginning and mm-hmm. at what Leatherface begins and all that stuff? Like maybe that was like some low key commentary on horror itself. Yeah. And I feel too, like when you think about it, like you always hear about like the first movie's the best and they just get worse as they go along. And then this <laughs> one and then like the prequel comes down and you're like, oh, this is the dumbest one of all. And then, like you said, with this one, it's like we started in modern times and kept going back and they kept getting better and better. Right. And then the prequel was the best one. Like, You got anything else, Matt? No, I want to hear this book talk. I want to see how this how the books uh, yeah. uh, compared to the movie. What got you two into the book series? Um, I think I was a 90s kid. So we were into Sweet Valley and then to Drew, Hardy Boys, that kind of thing. Even... Okay. And of course, there was the R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike. And then, for some reason, I hoarded them. I wasn't scared of them. Like, it was kind of addictive to read, to get a book, and then to read it. You know, R.L. Stein wasn't very long into expositions. He really got the, the action going. Like, maybe some books could be a bit ridiculous when you look back now. <laughs> But 
But there are really good ones. I think I yeah, the question your the, the Google Doc you gave us, like which ones was our favorite? Mm-hmm. I think um for me personally, it was the Fear Street sagas. The, the there was the cheerleaders where a lot of evil possessions happened to a group of cheerleaders, and then there was a 99 Fear Street, the most haunted house in Fear Street. So I think those three trilogies, um, Arl Stein really did well in them. Like even the for the sagas, it was like in a way his take on 1666. I think that's where that movie was based on. Because um that movie had the goods and the fears, but actually in that series, the fears were evil as well. Actually, originally in the books, the both families, the goods and the fears were both evil. But what really started was that the fears were the ones who cheated the goods at first. So actually any kind of evil that came from the goods was a form of revenge. That the fear started. So actually, that was one of my small gripes in the movies as a book lover. Like, why were they making the the goods just the bad guys when actually in the books it was both of them, and actually even the fears were more evil in the books. So I think um R.L. wrote the sag, or maybe one of his ghostwriters, R.L. really did the sagas. You know, he did it well, and there was a lot of witch burning there. Actually, it was burning. It wasn't hanging. <laughs> And Michael's laughing. I might have read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But and actually, one of the themes, similar themes from the movies about witches being accused wrongly in the in the books, it was because the fears were a wealthy family. They did not want their offspring to marry a poor good girl. So what they did, what the fear patriarchs did, they accused the girl of being a witch when actually she wasn't. So she burnt. They burnt her and her mother. So they wouldn't marry her son, their son. And then as it turns out, it was actually the father of the girl who was the witch, the real witch. So that guy, that good, that good guy, he was the one who cast a spell in the fears. And then it was one generation after the other who doing evil and shut upon each other. <laughs> so that's actually how the books went. But I think RL was able to write it well and it wasn't too much for someone who might have been in high school at that time. Like for me, I actually liked it. I wasn't scared to go to sleep after reading those books. So for me, that was the charm. And I actually find my Fear Street books more memorable than Goosebumps. I don't know. I think the Goosebumps are a bit too tame. But those books have stuck with me even until now. Yeah, I mean, they were for also for a younger crowd, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Ara said that in the Goosebumps, hardly anyone died. But in, but in his Fear Street series, of course, he had a fun time killing people. <laughs> people so, died in Fear Street. <laughs> a lot, a lot, yeah. So I think it was the, I don't know, that's what captivated people. But I think when it came to the movies, what the director did that I think was a great um, revision or maybe remake for her was that she just didn't want to do a jump scares kind of horror movie. For her, she wanted to put out the message. I think that's why she had that, you know, the white man is evil and, you know, and the minority is in Shady Side. I think that's why she put that message out there about inclusivity and all of that. Because she didn't just want it to be, you know, just a, 
jump scares or horror kind of movie with no message. So I think it was a good um, revision for the big screen as compared to the books because the books were be were mostly it's it was mostly about horror, but not not. And since they were done in the nineties, I don't think they were for any of those themes back in the books during that time. But I don't. But I won't begrudge. RL Stein for that right. because you know, it was it was it was right? a different time. It was yeah, a different time. Different yeah, time. it doesn't you know. <laughs> I don't so, think it was his intention to exclude people. Right. Yeah, he wasn't big on like social agendas or anything. He was just telling yeah. a story, so he didn't really focus on but, themes like that. Yeah, yeah, it's not like he was Stephen King that you know even back in the day was putting the N word in every single book that he could. But you know that's a conversation <laughs> for a different. That's day. another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I just looked it up, and there's 164 books in the Fear Street saga. How many have you read, Melissa? I think I had like 40 to 50. So you oh, didn't even put have. a you didn't even put a dent in it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, but they but they had the most popular ones. I had the yeah. the trilogies. I think the ones that I mentioned that were, I think they were the most uh, people really wanted them that time, and they were the hardest to get. Okay. So, Wait, I still have a question. So, if it was you said how many books? Hundred and sixty-four. So hundred and sixty-four Fair Street Fair Street books. So how did they make this movie? Like, did they just pick three, or is this like a compilation of all the books, or how did they? get to the movie it's um books <laughs> yeah it's pretty much um it's like an original story just kind of using yeah. some of the elements from the books and the town itself and like a loose history oh. but they're pretty yeah. much original stories although i will go um when i talk there in a way it's kind of a loose reinterpretation of one of the famous trilogies um like a loose remake of it um which I can go into in a bit. Okay. Uh, and one of my grabs with the movie was that they didn't make the, they didn't say why it was Fear Street. Like when they showed the street during the 1994 part two part where Martin lived, it was shown as Fear Street. It's an F-I-E-R. Because in the books, it was important why that fear became fear. So I don't know how they're gonna do it in the movies if they have Wait, like a small why movie. explain to me why. <laughs> okay, in the books. Um, so I told you about those evil fears, um, burning that poor good girl. That's why the goods sought revenge against the fears. So anyway, um, it came into Simon Fears' generation. Um, he found out that his name F I E R fear actually is means fire when you when you spell it another way, it's fire. So there was someone who told him that's how his family would perish through fire. So he tried to escape that and the curse that the goods put on his family by changing it into fear. So actually, it the curse went away for a while, but the thing is, he also married an evil woman from another family her name was angelica so in, in a way when they moved it to shady side they were like the evil power couple angelica and simon fear and then they be, they built their wealth and then they had like five children anyway a lot of evil stuff happened like their daughters killed each other and all that but <laughs> but anyway it all ended Whoa. i know there's a lot of stuff like that in rl's books so a lot anyway, of drama yeah a lot of drama a lot of siblings killing each other or something so anyway, the 
what happened at the end of Simon's story was that his mansion burnt down. So the fire still got him, even if it changed his name. And then when his mansion burnt down, they, the townspeople demolished it and they made a road out of it. That's why it was called Fear Street. Mm. To make a very long story short. But I don't know. A lot, a lot of fans found that part of the story really compelling, like his history. Like we thought it was the one that was going to be put in movies or maybe a part of it or something. But yeah, it, they they came up with their own story for the movies. But anyway, it was the movies were great. So I also have one more question about the books. Is it like, can I pick up any book and read it and understand everything or just somewhat connected? Um, uh, yeah, but, well, like Melissa pointed out, there's a few books that are trilogies that have to be read in a certain order, but mm -hmm. for the most part, Fear Street is more of like a brand, like they're all stories that take place within the same town okay. or on Fear Street. Mm -hmm. Um, and you might have a character mentioned or make an appearance in another book, but for the most part, most of the books are just standalone stories that don't have any real yeah. connection to the other ones except for like it take place in Shadyside or it take place on Fear Street. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I man, see you, Matt, with your little interview questions. Look at you, man. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to do what I can. I'm trying to learn. I'm just trying to do what I can do. I'm trying to do my little part. <laughs> uh, Melissa, did you have anything else to add? Um, I think it's a great thing that the kids nowadays want to read the books. <laughs> yeah. I think they, I think some of these books are selling for like a hundred dollars each or something on eBay. Yeah, I don't, there's I don't, no reprints. <laughs> yeah, or they want the originals. So, mm -hmm. you know, so I have I actually have thought of selling some of mine, but I don't know. <laughs> but it's a great thing that you know the kids are interested and in, you know they want to know about the good family and the fear family. Like they want to get into that lore. And it's a great way to get people into reading and horror again. And that uh, that's true because our last episode, I'm going to tell you this, Chad. Our last episode, we talked about uh, Space Jam and how uh, my son has never watched Looney Tunes or nothing. Fast mm -hmm. forward to this week, my son is watching Looney Tunes. And mm -hmm. he, he was saying because he saw it on the Space Jam movie, he liked some of the characters, so now he's watching original looney tunes and everything else like that so like you said once the kids see this on tv and stuff then they venture out and want to go more in depth with it and everything else like that so yeah so i definitely see other kids trying to pick this up even me right now i was looking at fear street and all these books to see which one i want to jump into <laughs> all right we're about to start a second podcast uh we used to talk about these books at work about the book about a book club podcast <laughs> actually we did have like sort of a book club um we were we i reread harry potter and matt was reading them for mm -hmm. the first time so we had like really long conversations about them what got you into the series michael all right so i'm going to admit i can't believe i'm going to admit this because i don't have this reputation amongst everyone that knows me but i was a scaredy cat as a kid everything scared me <laughs> Like, even horror comedies that weren't scary would scare the crap out of me. And uh, it wasn't until I started, I was introduced to the Alvin Schwartz books, like Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and all of those, that I started to really get a taste for horror. And then that quickly led to Goosebumps. And then when I hit Goosebumps, I was a little older. So it was, like Melissa said, it was a little tamer. So it wasn't enough of the horror element for me. Um, and then I found out, oh, this guy wrote 
you know, teen books that are, you know, just scarier. And so then I started Fear Street and I was hooked. Yeah. So how much of it have you read out of the 162 books? <laughs> you know, it's funny looking back because I thought I hadn't read that. Like I knew I had read a good portion, but looking at the titles, I think I've read most of the main, like the trilogies, the ones that are kind of bundled together. And I would say at least half of the standalone ones. Um, and I've read, like he wrote a few more Fear Street books within the last few years and they're not as good. Um, and I've read a few of those, but I would say probably about half of what he wrote uh, with the Fear Street books I've read. Mm -hmm. um, as for favorites, I think Melissa, I think we have a lot of the same favorites. Yeah. <laughs> um, like the original, um, there was the Fear Street Saga, which was a trilogy um, that she pointed out, kind of told the history between the goods and the fears and what kind of led up to everything that happened. Uh, those the name were- of those books? Um, it was, I actually have them here. Um, so it's The Betrayal, The okay. Secret, and, and The, the Burning. burning. <laughs> um, Let me write this you guys, down. You guys read those if you can. We, we, we got to record yeah. it, Matt. Yeah. So it's, those are right. Those, right. Well, I was looking it up. I was right now looking it up on Amazon. I was like, let me see if I get this. This is an overnight them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those were, um, growing up, those were some of my favorites because I love like the historical element and kind of learning how things, cause like throughout the books, you get little hints of like, oh, Fear Street is haunted because of this. And you get little nuggets of history, but you don't really get a full idea of what happened. And then finally he released these three books and it was like, now you know the truth. Now right. you know why everything is the way it is. And those are really good. The only complaint I had about them and they fixed it for the movie is um, as Melissa pointed out, like it involves somebody getting burned as a witch um in the first book and historically in america we didn't burn witches we only hung them um so as a kid like being that kind of like well i know the history of you know the witch trials that always bothered me um but it was still such like i just love it was just so much fun reading the history and that kind of feud that's gone on for hundreds of years because it was like that drama it was like a soap opera like what happens next you know 50 years um so the sagas were some of my, uh, the Fear Street saga was one of my favorites. Um, Melissa mentioned 99 Fear Street, which was another really popular trilogy from the Fear Street books that I really enjoyed growing up because it was a haunted house story. So you can't go yeah. wrong with that. Um, and I like trivia wise, I thought it was interesting that in the third Fear Street movie, when you see Martin's like business card, he lives at 99 Fear Street, which I thought was a really interesting That's little funny. Easter egg. Like, oh, my homeboy lives there. Cool. He better move out. <laughs> that house is haunted. Um, and then the other trilogy that I really enjoyed that I think Melissa also mentioned was the Cheerleader um, yeah. series, which was about, you know, an evil spirit possessing people. And kind of, I mentioned this earlier when Melissa was talking, what I thought was kind of interesting about the Fear Street movies is, I guess it's kind of a spoiler alert for anybody. Um, the Cheerleaders trilogy is kind of very similar to the movies. Like the movies are very loosely in a way based on um, the Cheerleaders trilogy because the Cheerleaders movie is about, I, the books, um, starts off with a bunch of cheerleaders on a school bus yeah. on the way to a football game. And then right. there's a wreck, Another there's a wreck. <laughs> There's a car wreck and somebody ends up on the grave of a Sarah, of someone yeah. named Sarah Fear. 
and oh, then wow. <laughs> in the, and then in the first few books like you're you're led to believe that sarah is this evil spirit and that she's possessing all these people and causing them to kill and then in the third book you realize everything you thought you knew was wrong and the main character finds out by going into a flashback and kind of witnesses what started it uh, off and, you real- and so it's like oh you basically took the same plot but just got rid of cheerleaders and did something like loosely based but it's almost the same story and it didn't click for me because like I reread the cheerleaders books before the movies came out and then I watched the movies and I didn't think anything about it and then somebody made a point about something with the cheerleaders and I was like wait a minute deja vu I just read this this is the same story it's just (laughs) everything that happens in between is completely different the details are different but like the general plot is kind of the same okay except that Sarah and that one is like a completely different character like they treat her she's not a she's not accused of being a witch but you know she's still kind of tied into the town history so I guess how do we go with how did the I guess we can't go at all about how the books compare because it's not it's loosely based but if I guess since you guys read so much if what would be a book or trilogy that you would like for them to see them make a movie of Mm -hmm. from part of the the whole Fear Street collection I would say I would like 99 Fear Street because I love haunted house movies. Um, And I, 99 Fear Street, I think was a good one for me growing up. And I would like them uh, to touch on the saga. I know like the history they gave for Sarah and the Fear family and the goods was different in the movie, but I really enjoyed the kind of drama that happens in the Fear Street, the original Fear Street saga, where you're kind of learning how everything started and how this feud has lasted for centuries. I mean, it's very, like, I feel like it would do better as a TV show because you can kind of do a season on each time period and kind of follow the families uh, along. So like it, on Netflix? Yeah, because it doesn't have, like, one of those plot lines where you follow a character throughout the story. It's like okay. you meet the, the first version of the family and then you jump, like, something bad happens and you see how the feud happens between the, the two families and then it'll jump, like, a generation and then you see how the curse kind of affects that generation and then you keep kind of jumping um throughout the time periods um so it would do better as a tv show than a straightforward movie i think but i definitely think it has a lot of potential for like a really good story mm-hmm. melissa what you think um same with what michael said like i want I actually want simon fear story on screen i think that he had the most notorious story in the books. Mm-hmm. I, I still feel like a bit shortchanged that they didn't change the name of the street in the movies because I was hoping that if they changed the name of the street in the movies, they could have, it, I think it would have some continuity with Simon's story at least because um, Simon Fear and his wife, Angelica, I, they were both evil. Like they practice a dark arts and some, even if they tried to escape the curse, but you know, they were still evil. And I guess some of the interest, one of the interesting stories about them is they had five kids, like their two elder daughters, they killed each other. And then in further spinoffs, like Simon and Angelica tried to get their daughters back from the dead. Like they did it, they got the bones and then they tried to get to two girls from Shady Side. They tried so that those two girls could, could give up their souls. So mm. that so that Simon's daughters could live again. I actually like that story. So I thought it was so I mean it was so evil, so creepy, but 
I don't know. I found it so compelling even as a kid. So I'd actually like to see it on the big screen if they could. Okay. So let's transition to trivia. What do you think that the Rotten Tomato score is for these movies? So I want three numbers here. So your first one will obviously be for the first one and the second one for the second one. I'll give you a range. Um, All right. Instead, instead of going one to 100, let's say between, um, we'll cut it in half, between 50 and 100. Where do you get, think these uh, fail? I'm going to say uh, 94 is probably going to be like a 60 or a 70. I can see 78 maybe being an 80. And 66, oh, I want to say mid-80s too, because I know I personally felt it was the best one, but I feel like some people didn't like the historical part of it and probably gave it a suckier <laughs> uh, rating. But I, yeah, I'm going to say 80s as well for that one. Melissa? Um, my favorite was 1978. So I'm going to give it like maybe 90. Okay. And then... Um, I thought I also thought 94 was the weakest, so I'm gonna give it 70. Okay, and then 16, 16 was good, but even with a share of loopholes, and I did like the historical part, so I'm gonna go with okay, 85. All right, and Matt, what do you think? The uh, Ron Tomatoes 70, 85, 90. Okay, so part one got an 84%, part two got an 89%, and part three got a 93%. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I, I think it's everyone agrees that's the best one. Um, all right, so we got a trivia question. Then we are going to do some random trivia from each movie. I, I got one bit from each movie, and then we're out of here. True or false, the mall featured in all three parts of this trilogy is the same mall from Stranger Things season three. True or false? I'm going to say true. 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 Despite viewers speculation, the mall used in Fear Street is not the same one used in Stranger Things. Interesting. Um, Trivia, trivia. The art department tried to convince the director that a human head would not go through a bread slicer. But she was adamant that it would. To prove her wrong, they brought a, a bread slicer and shoved a watermelon through it to show her it wasn't possible. <laughs> to their surprise, it worked perfectly and everyone in the production office cheered. So that's uh, <laughs> trivia for 1994. <laughs> trivia for 1978. When Ziggy is roped to a tree by the bullies, one girl calls her a witch like Sarah Fear. The witch believed to have cursed Shadyside. The girl then says Sarah Fear is still alive and wouldn't be if they burned her instead of hung her. In the original, just like you guys said, in the original Fear Street book series, it was suggested the town was haunted uh, partly because two innocent women were killed by witchcraft hundreds of years ago. Unlike Sarah Fear, they were burnt. And the last bit of trivia uh, for 1666, but it's actually 1994 part two. After killing Nick, Dina removes her coat to show Sam her body armor made of books. The books are various actual Fear Street titles, including The First Evil and yeah, Fear Street Cheerleaders Number One. <laughs> I laughed out loud, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
Also, I wrote another piece of trivia and I know I didn't delete it. Okay, so in part one at the very beginning in the bookstore, there are all those books by an author named Robert Lewis. That's what RL stands for in RL Stein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting too. The first line of the movie is the tagline for the book that they show too, yeah. uh, which I think is. Um, <laughs> is, it, is it another think, Easter is it the, egg? Yeah, is it the wrong number? I can't remember. Yeah, but I remember I that's the tagline for the book. Yeah, the I was like, that's pretty. It's pretty clever. And then, ironically, that's what happened to Heather. It started. Yeah. With the- yeah. Then she was murdered. <laughs> Don't answer the phone. Yeah. Never. never so i want to thank melissa and michael so much for coming on you guys gave us so much good information we had such a long conversation but thank you guys so much it was it was a lot of fun yeah thank you yes thank you because you did more talking that means i didn't have to so i just chime in with a joke here and there and we good it's a good episode then (laughs) we we opened the third eye and we spoke for you that's right all right so a little different than normal guys we next week we're going to be doing suicide squad with a guest that we used to work with um so yeah a little teaser for next week uh michael uh why don't you plug your podcast real quick sure um so my podcast is called the green room chats um, you can find it at anchor.fm forward slash the green room chat. And it's all about theater. Um, give it a listen, but obviously don't listen to the trailer because it's too long. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to put a link for that in the show notes. And uh, Melissa, did you have anything you wanted to promote? And it's uh, okay if you don't. Not at this moment. <laughs> Thanks, though. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for listening. Please rate, like, and review our podcast on your platform of choice. If you have any feedback, please email us at weusetotalkpod at gmail.com. Like our Facebook page, we used to talk about this at work. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at weusetotalkpod. And away the news goes.